Hello and welcome to the Bizpreneur podcast. I'm Kevin Ross and I'll be diving deep into conversation with entrepreneurs, hearing their stories, the highs, lows, tips, tricks and tactics, and most importantly to see where we can learn and hopefully be inspired. Well, how's it going? My name is Kevin Ross. I'm back with episode 14 of the Bizpreneur podcast. Things are getting a little busier on my side with Care Bounce Castles in May season, otherwise known as silly season, where comedians are in full swing. But I'm getting these episodes out by the skin of my teeth, but uh, at least they're going out there. Uh, look, I hope you're enjoying it anyway. Um, on today's episode, um, I chat to Luke Talbot of Exemplar Airport Concierge. This guy is what you call a salesman. Luke brings us through everything from his entrepreneurial spirit when he was in college, and now he has a team of people dropping and collecting cars at Dublin Airport. Um, I suppose there is so many branches to his business that this conversation is mind-blowing. I love the concept. Um, If you're interested in cars or learning about cool sales tactics and tricks, it really has blown my mind thinking, have I really been tricked into buying something like a, a good or a service before in the lines of psychology? The mind games is crazy. It blew my mind for what Luke was saying. But look, I hope you enjoy it. Give us a follow on Instagram, Bishopreneur Podcast and Exemplar Airport Concierge. Thank you very much. Enjoy. No one's ever going to care as much about your business as you are. Yeah, so I suppose long story short, that's going to be like the, the tagline for uh, <laughs> for this podcast. Exemplar, long story short. Um, so yeah, long story short, I you can park it wherever you want in a public car park, but you can't control who parks beside you. Simply just start. Procrastination is the enemy of success. You know, Rob Lipsitz or Greg O'Shea or John Kavanagh, Coach Kavanagh. Or Peter Stringer. I think I saw it on his story as well. Exactly, Peter Stringer. So made a decision to close it down and was really worried. Invested a lot of money. I literally went into B&Q and I bought the cheapest petrol uh, lawnmower, making people feel appreciated that they're helping a small business, which they are. Luke Talbot, you are very welcome to the Bizpreneur podcast. Very happy to be here, Kevin. Thank you for having me. So Luke is the owner of Exemplar Airport Concierge. As you say, my name is Luke Talbot. I'm the director of Exemplar Automotive Experience, to put it a more descriptive name. It's Exemplar Airport Concierge. I also have a a small uh, landscaping business as well, uh, but we can get into that later. Hey, one, very good. Um, I suppose, Luke, give everyone a bit of a debrief as to where your whole, you know, business life started. Um, where did it all begin? In terms of the entrepreneurship, I suppose the first flair for entrepreneurship of, of note, really. Um, you know, we all have little ideas for, you know, lemonade stands and all those kind of cliche little things. Been there, done that. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, I remember actually um, speaking to my parents, we used to live in Donabate, Portoran. It, it's kind of like a small peninsula seaside town. And what we used to do as kids was uh, we'd find... Uh, guttering or, or or you know um you know the pvc piping yeah. half pvc piping for gutters and we'd block up the road and we'd stand there and charge a toll <laughs> oh my <laughs> charge God. a toll for the for the locusts to to go to the beach or whatever wow yeah and, and that was uh we lost a fair few uh pvc pipes now people just drove over them 
and told us where to go. But uh, I suppose that that's the earliest. But no, um, my first kind of entrepreneurial venture just out of school, there was a guy that he, he was called the Beer Baron. He was actually emigrating abroad. So he had a bit of a business. The PC version, I suppose, is that I was running a business, uh, a little side hustle, if you will. While I was in college, I was 18. Um, we called it the, the Beer Baron. And essentially what it was, people would, would buy their drink, uh, beers and, and wines and stuff for their after parties. But, you know, th- th- you can't be lugging your a bag of cans in around town, you know. Uh, so what, what I would do is charge a storage fee. So I'd, I'd uh, take their, their drink from them, store it in the van for the night, and then they would let me know where their party is after they leave town or whatever. And then I'd charge a delivery fee. So... If you can imagine you're going out, you want the option there of if we go back to a, a house party that there's beverages supplied. That that was, I suppose, the, the first kind of um, entrepreneurial venture, uh, which is, you know, very profitable for an 18 year old in college. You know, college students infamously survive on coke noodles <laughs> and, and a couple and of alcohol. beers. And <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I was doing that for a while. Then eventually I sold it on sold on the phone or the contact numbers but it, it was great even even then i understood the or learned the importance of building relationships with, with customers but also the, the customer experience and just customer service in general and uh, built the whole brand around the beer baron which was like an episode from the simpsons i don't know if you know uh, or if you remember where home you know prohibition was enforced back in springfield in modern times and uh, homer uh, began brewing beer in bathtubs in his basement and uh, they brought in this kind of spook you know government agent or official he was called the beer baron and it wasn't publicly known that homer was the beer baron but this agent was brought in <laughs> to try and find out who he was and there's this one scene where he's standing over you know in the viewpoint looking out over the whole of springfield yeah and and this agent just kind of shouts into the distance i'll get you one day beer baron and then you just hear Homer and echoing back, no, you won't, no, you won't. And uh, I would regularly get phone calls, you know, drunk people just loved the whole story and would just say, I'll get you one day, Bear Baron. And I'll say, no, you won't, no, you won't. And they used to love it. Oh, my God. So like it linked into the business, everything from the episode in The Simpsons. Yeah, we even had little business cards with uh, Homer Simpson um, with, you know, a cowboy hat on saying, shh. You know, so that that was that was like we we'd give out uh, people and they'd pass them around in town or whatever. And I was a complete word of mouth. Word of mouth. That's really uh, you know a recurring theme you'll see now when I start talking about exemplar. But you know, word of mouth is your biggest tool. It just it grows exponentially and the snowball effect. And you know, one person tells three people and those people try it and they tell people and exactly um, and like you there on the college nights i suppose working until two three in the morning supplying all these house parties yeah sometimes even later but (laughs) i mean it was it was great great experience learned a lot and uh, it also kind of complemented my uh, college course as well i was doing business and entrepreneurship uh, in DIT and business management and yeah it was a pretty cool case study while uh, while studying the, the kind of the theory I was I was able to put it into practice as well. You created the practical element of your actual studies for yourself yeah. you know you had your work experience outside your college hours uh, learning hands-on you know. Yeah so that, that that was kind of the the very my sort of intro from college I went straight into direct marketing company so the way I saw it was like I'm 10 years out of school now and um, I mean, it's true, true for today, but, you know, certainly in my parents' era, um, the Leaving Cert was the sort of 
you know that was the the minimum of what you needed for a job and and then it became a degree and then i found that for a lot of jobs it was uh, the minimum requirements were the masters so and then you hear about all these people that they have all this this theory learning and they have these pieces of paper but they have no practical uh, experience and uh, people always complaining about struggling to find work you know on the basis that they have no experience but they can't get experience in order to get experience so my plan was to go and and do direct selling learn sales learn um that sort of business uh module and, and and just yeah just just really learn how to how to sell from speaking with family you know i always had a bit of the gift of the gab as they say I'm, i was well able to talk comfortable talking with people sell sound to the arabs yeah <laughs> ice to the eskimos <laughs> as they say and um so yeah i thought you know learn how to do sales get a skill that was my kind of my dad's day it was get a trade under your belt and uh, for me that was that was my trade was going to be learning how to sell because you know sales is it can be can be lended to, to everything so i went and i joined um this uh, marketing company in town and it was great i mean it was a pretty intense environment because we worked on a 100 percent commission uh, there was no base wage um so the pressure was there now luckily i had a bit of savings and always had a few bob from you know working here working there so really even taking a job like that it was nearly like a risk like it was literally like going into business yourself because you had to prove it to be able to come out with a wage at the end of the week because there was no base wage exactly exactly it was wow it, it was you know really backing yourself i just made a decision that i was going to give it a couple of months and just use it as three months over the summer to really upscale if nothing came of it or or if i didn't make any money then you know i was investing three months into myself into learning so the this the setup was really cool in fact there was these things called the the cod which is cycle of development so there was different levels and stages that you'd progress through you know obviously level one was just basics and sales you know up to right up to leadership and even management so it was very interesting we learned acronyms and fun learning techniques for sales and sales strategies a lot of psychology as well because you know people buy into people uh, understanding people that's that's really your product I end up working there for about two and a half three years and i progressed up to having a team of 16 people wow so you obviously started to prove yourself as in you were well able to make the commissions and then they put more people under you. Were you training them in, was it? Exactly, yeah. So I kind of, I suppose I kind of jumped the gun there. So after the three months, my gift of the gab and my positive attitude and my, you know, sponge mentality of just being there to learn and taking everything on board. And I just took the pressure off, the financial pressure off. You know, the attitude was, um, yes, there, you know, there was a risk, but I, I had the same risk as the, the guy standing next to me, but I outlasted him because of my mindset and, and you know how I chose to to see the situation so after three months I you know made some good money selling uh, different products like we we did door-to-door sales events it was summertime so the weather was a bit nicer I think my attitude may have been tested a little bit more if if I had started in the depths of winter yeah and and luckily uh, towards the end of my kind of time with the company that's when I did door-to-door so I was probably a little bit lucky and considered maybe one of the softer sales guys because we spent most of our time in big shopping centers with kind of pop-up stands so that was always uh, seen internally you know particularly from the the door-to-door guys point of view that you know we were the the softer guys but nonetheless was able to sell kind of taken under the boss's wing he was a pretty impressive guy he was actually only so i would have been i think 
21 at the time. I think he was three weeks older than me. He started the same journey that I started, but when he was 18, so he was a couple of years ahead. Um, but he had 30 people in his team or in his office and, and uh, he kind of saw a bit of potential in me took me under the wing yeah just kind of progressed from there there was a big push at the time for personally recruiting we called a pr so when you pr someone that's someone that it costs the business zero in you know um in kind of acquisition or you know they didn't have to spend any money on ads to to recruit them in okay and look what products were you selling like give us an example of what he actually had to sell in the shopping centers I suppose the most notable one was Home Alarms, okay. a company called Home Secure. Shout out to the, the Home Secure guys. They, uh, I have them here. Really? They worked with someone else, didn't they? And they ended up and setting up their own business then. Yeah, so most people would recognize uh, PhoneWatch as like the, the dominant provider in Ireland. So Aircom PhoneWatch was, was the, the original. Then a Norwegian company, I believe, came in and they bought out aircom phone watch and got rid of the aircom and you know they're just known as phone watch but uh people obviously brand recognition they thought that they were still with aircom phone watch even though slightly different the norwegian company merged with aircom and became phone watch there was obviously a lot of duplication a lot of engineers were you know two engineers to do the same job so a lot of irish engineers were let go they came together and formed Home Secure, kind of like the, the OG Aircom phone watch guys, and they're they're great. And now we're talking to the top sales guy that they had for them. <laughs> one of them, one of them. And then you went from there then onto the whole exemplar part? Yeah, so um, after I left the direct sales, as I said, I grew up to 16 uh, people on, on my team. And then, you know, the fact that there was no base wage, you know, some people can lose their attitude. And then, you know, the negative thoughts are coming in. Like So sometimes the maturity to, to look at you know, a week, you know, for example, with the, with the home secure, like you, if you did, you know, you could sell nothing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you could sell three units on Thursday, three on Friday, and then you'll have hit your weekly goal and you'll have exceeded, you know, your, your weekly income, you know, target or goal. Um, but sometimes that, that lack of maturity can, you know, it, look, don't get me wrong, it can be very difficult to get back up out of bed, you know, early on a, on a Thursday morning when you've sold nothing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But, you know, having that that kind of mental fortitude and, and um, you know, that strong attitude and positive attitude, you know, the law of averages says, like, you know, it will come around. Um, but as you say, the staff turnover, a lot of people couldn't get over the fact that, you know, they, they looked at the small picture like I've worked all day Monday and got no pay. Um, so yeah, it kind of all came crashing down within a couple of weeks, maybe a, a month or four to six weeks after getting promoted up to, to have my own office um, and having 16 guys on my on my crew. Um, you know, it, it, it whittled back down to four or five and, um, uh, you know, continued to try build it up. and But uh, it came to the stage where it was, it was time for me to move on. So I did. I, I tried my hand in the corporate world. A friend of mine worked in recruitment, you know, in a flashy firm in town. So anyway, I went in and met this guy, Neil. He was a really slick guy from Essex, actually, and a really, really successful recruiter. You know, he sold me the he sold me the dream, the flashy suit, the big bonuses. So I, I tried my hand at that. It was ultimately the, I suppose, the lack of independence, autonomy, I only lasted six months. The environment was really, really cool. Like great people, great company. It was sitting at a desk 
was uh, it was just a bit too claustrophobic. Maybe I didn't give it enough time, but look, say I was tempted out of recruitment by you know, a guy. He got in touch and he said, look, I've been brought into this tech startup to build out the sales department. I want you to work with us. Long story short, I was the 23rd employee to start for this tech firm. It's very much a, it's a goal-orientated environment. You have a sales target, you hit that target at two o'clock on a Friday, you can go home. You know, it was very relaxed, very, a very kind of progressive sort of uh, working environment. Um, eventually, the allure of being my own boss and uh, pursuing my own project just took hold. The first thing I did was take uh, a month to myself. I had some, some, good, uh, some good sales uh, figures. Um, so had you know nice little bit of savings there. So I took a month off. I went to Portugal, Spain, or Barcelona, Ibiza. Just did a did a nice little blowout for me when I was working in the direct sales and marketing. We worked six days a week, Monday to Saturday. When all my friends were going on J ones and going to Thailand, I stayed back and was building a business, building a team, and and making money. So, um, this was my little uh, uh, J one or. Uh, sabbatical so uh, when I came back from that uh, you know I had what do I do uh, I have nothing to do now so tried out a little project with my cousin um, we came together and we had a little idea for uh, like a, a small clothing brand it, it, it ended up not getting our full attention because we were inevitably when you when you tr- like throw enough shit out of wall something's gonna stick and you're trying a few different things um one of them takes off so your focus and attention is naturally going to be at the thing that's doing the best and making you money and giving you a return so this kind of fell by the wayside but it was a clothing brand it was called emotes so instead of emojis emotes and there were t-shirts with uh, t-shirts with um these different emojis uh, embroidered onto them and you know there's currently about 300 t-shirts sitting in my cousin's garage <laughs> but sure so, look um, like as the saying goes a person who never makes a mistake never tries anything new like you know so i mean fair play you did, you made a go of it might have worked but look you know, might still you still have 300 to sell so it might be something in the future yeah exactly so um what, what ended up happening was while while we were doing that i was also working on something else as I say, it was, in, it was the summertime. I had just come back from a summer trip and the weather was lovely. And my dad works for like uh, in housing development. So he was project managing uh, a site um, not too far from where I was living at the time. And I was, you know, like everyone should, leaning on your family, your friends, people you know for any sort of an opening at all. There's no shame whatsoever uh, for some people. Opportunities or, or cracks in the door are, are more than others, and and that's great. Um, but everyone knows someone that can open a door for them some way if you're you know relentless enough. So, um, uh, yeah, never be never be ashamed to say that you know I asked my dad for help or you know anything like that. One hundred percent. I wouldn't be where I am now without my dad giving me a hand all the way up through. I, I own a bouncy castle business so and he drove me around from the age of 13 up to 17 before I got my license so yeah that's where it went exactly yeah. you know and for the the, the first that biz, uh, beer baron I had to go to my dad and ask him for you know at the time this was a major loan uh, I asked for a thousand euro and um, you know he he asked me to give him a business plan and uh, a strategic plan on when you know a, a forecast on when I was going to make 
make uh, make it back and when I was going to be able to pay him back. I actually was able to pay him back uh, two weeks uh, early, earlier than than we had planned. So that was cool. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, it just kind of reminds me of, you know, the Donald Trump where he's like, you know, I didn't, I you know, I had a pretty hard growing up. You know, my first business, I got a small loan of a million dollars. Dallas, my father, yeah. I'm like a million dollars. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're looking for a thousand euros yeah. for a million. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but, but even still, you know, I thought that that was so much money. And then I was um, uh, surprised that, you know, I was able to pay it back so quickly. It was great, great feeling. Yeah, so I asked my dad, you know, uh, is there anything going on up in the site that is wrecking your head? Is there anything that's annoying you or, or that's creating work for you that would make your life easier up there? And and he said, uh, oh, geez, well, we can't keep up with the, the grass growing. It's, you know, at the height of the summer, it's like it's, you know, we, we get we get someone in to blitz the whole place. And then, you know, the next week it's, you know, it's back up. It's, it's growing something serious. So anyway, this sparked a conversation and, and I went up and visited the site and we went around and there was, you know, like like most developments, it's built in phases. So, you know, the, the phase one was occupied. People were living in it while phase two, three was still being built. There was like a hundred units up here that were built by the contractors, handed back to the developers in order for them to, to sell them. But nobody was living in them and, and they could be in the possession of the the developers for you know six seven eight months uh, before there's people occupying them uh, and in that time you know the the back gardens and the the front gardens are like wild the you know the the grass is i don't know a meter high in in some cases so you know i i said well why don't i come in and maintain all these gardens until the, the the new buyers get the keys i think when we first started it was 100 units we had to do and uh you know i fairly quickly realized that i wasn't going to be able to do these all um by myself because by the time i had finished the hundredth one the, the first one was ready to be cut We're again back to the start again yeah so uh, i was you know again leaning on friends asking friends for hand family you know anyone anyone that i could get a hold of to, to come and help me do this um you know everyone was happy with the the result that became a regular thing then as as the housing estate began to fill up with with people buying the houses obviously that hundred started to dwindle and then i'm like right so you know this is not really sustainable um in this estate so how can i how can i kind of make this a regular thing so i spoke to the foreman there and i asked you know what percentage of these houses is going to be you know social housing what percentage are going to be rental units um you know looking at what i can get on a regular basis um, and it turns out that there was going to be 30 units there that were that were earmarked and set aside for for rent um which then obviously is you know the maintenance of which is looked after by the by the developers by the the management company i put in a, a proposal to to maintain um the the back gardens of the 30 rental units for you know year round i got that contract then got in touch with another management company and uh, they had another site up in in nace um and again there was um 30 rental units there that needed maintaining so i got that contract um the, the foreman up there was happy with me um so i was able to extend that into all of the communal areas um so that's and this is a big a big site there's like five football pitch size fields and lot uh lots of shrubbery and flower beds and so weeding and general you know rubbish cleaning and stuff 
Did you just start off with just general lawnmowers or had you to go big straight away or what had you to do like to actually get this business up and going so quickly? So I, I literally went into B&Q and I bought the cheapest petrol uh, lawnmower. I think it was like 130 quid. And then um, I went in and started tackling, you know, these uh, the gardens and then you know the way the gardens were set up they're they're fenced off and i realized that when you when you're cutting these gardens there's just this big ugly you know strip around the edges yeah you can't get up at the lawnmower so a strimmers had to come in then you were really going modern then you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well believe it or not i uh, how i first tackled that was uh, i got a lend of my mom's garden shears you know oh, the big geez. scissors so i was doing that and i said listen there's there's not a hope uh, there's you not a hope on continuing houses. this yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway very quickly got the strimmer and um yeah then just started getting guys in and um had uh, three or four guys in the summertime working with me which was which was great and look i love getting my hands dirty um i loved kind of getting in in the thick of it and, and just getting it done it needed to be done um I, you know i was able to rely on myself even when you know like with everything no one's ever going to care as much about your business as you are um and one of the biggest struggles is is people letting you down and particularly in this in this climate now where you know people are almost conditioned to kind of stay at home because they've been almost incentivized to stay at home um with uh, with everything going on with with covid it's just been very difficult the last couple of years with you know trying to find you know good reliable guys that can that can uh, help and it's a great statement to say that you know no one's going to care about your business more than you are and you're actually 100% right there because you think of all the things okay what about this what about this what about this and you're firing orders but like really and it's really on the last 2 3 years i've kind of took a step back and said they're not going to have the the mental you know thought process to think the same way as, as i do and they're not being paid to think the way the same as i do they're not in it that long to think the way the same as i do so it's just kind of a thing where you just have to kind of try to work your best with it and try to make it work as best as you can but not to get your hopes up and think that whoever you take on is going to do exactly what you think they should do you know yeah. um yeah in a long-winded way about saying it but yeah you're definitely right about that no you're like i 100 agree like what i mean what we're trying to do is replace ourselves but but the reality is that's it's not uh never going to happen and that's that's one of the hardest things as well is uh for you know people uh small business owners um is also being able to trust someone being able to take the step back and delegate um look everyone talks about i'm sick of the nine to five grind you know i'm gonna i'm gonna quit it all and work for myself i I can't can't work nine to five anymore you know stuck in an office and the reality is when when you start your own business you work 24 7 Mm -hmm. you know i've woken up in the middle of the night your nine to five is your is your job and then everything before that and after that that's the cream of it that's when you have to really grind into it you yeah know? exactly yeah so i suppose long story short that's going to be like the the tagline for uh, <laughs> for this podcast exemplar long story short <laughs> um so yeah long story short i i had a uh, you know a number of guys uh working with me we managed to get this done we had the two contracts then um i got in touch um 
I reached out to another management company, uh, managed to get another four contracts off him. So we were flying, absolutely flying, and it was great. Then an opportunity came out and you know dropped from the sky, um, and uh, you know as most ones do when you're not really looking for them, bringing it back to like you know being a young flout in town. You know if you're going out, if you're going out looking like to to pull someone, you're never going to pull someone. But you go out <laughs> to enjoy having a night with the lads. That's when suddenly you know there's you're beating them away with a stick. So. Um, uh, you know the the landscaping is growing. Um, I'm bringing people on. I'm, I'm I've got a van. I'm I've got multiple lawnmowers, multiple streamers, chainsaws. Doing you know it's it's really really growing very fast, and I'm delighted with it. Then uh, a good friend of mine, Oren, uh, he rings me up and and uh, he's like, hey man, do you remember that business that that idea that you were helping me out with in the airport? So I I can't have to hold my hand up here and confess the exemplar airport concierge is is not. It's my baby. It's my adopted child. Um, I, it didn't. Uh, I'm not the biological father. He had this idea. He lives just, you know, uh, in Malahide, like a stone's throw from the airport, um, and he had this idea. Don't ask me where it came from or, or um, you know, how he came up with it, but I'd imagine because he grew up in Dubai, um, and you know, the a valet. A valet parking service is, a, is a, you know, as it is in America, it's a very normal thing. Yes. Very common. So he kind of researched the market. There were two other companies doing it, but he had never heard of them. So he, I suppose he saw an opportunity to do it a little bit more premium. That's that's what he did. He started to, to, to do that. He, he was parking cars in his house. He had his big garden there just from... Uh, as I say, Stone's Throw from the airport and he was able to park cars in his house, built it up, built it up. He then got a, an offer that he couldn't refuse, basically, back in Dubai. Um, you know, great salary, great opportunity and he wanted to take it but he had started to build up this, this you know, potentially very successful business. And that's when the phone rang to you. Exactly. So he kind of gave me first refusal. He said, listen, you were there to help me at the start. Um, you know what the business is about. You can see, and I use the service as well. Um, every time I traveled, I used it. Um, so I, I was a big believer in it. It's like an extravagance, uh, but without the extravagant price tag. Like it was, it's pretty pretty reasonable. So explain to our listeners what it actually is. Yeah, so so Exemplar, um, it is an airport valet parking business. It's an alternative parking solution at Dublin Airport. Um, the three main kind of selling points, Kevin, that, that I always talk about are the convenience of it. Yeah, so the, the convenience of it is just, you know, driving up to the terminal door, uh, in you go, and away you fly. Um, the, the time saving, um, particularly if you've got kids or if you're like a last minute Luke, like myself, um, you know, you like to push things, push things, um, you know, it, it, it's brilliant. Literally, I'm looking at the clock saying, okay, right, it's half three now. <laughs> if I have to be there by, I'm going to literally leave on the minute. I have one minute to get into the car. That is me. And I know that then it's going to bring me right to the time. And I'm, I'm always last minute. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always late. Yeah. And, um, and even like, you know, us entrepreneurs, you know, we like to live, take risks and live life on the edge. So sometimes you might even, you know, procrastinate a bit and then leave two, two or three minutes after that we should have you know just to keep us keep ourselves on our toes um, and that's where you know it's perfect uh, so you can just you know pull right up in your own through security and away you go um, and then uh, the, the last kind of 
thing and the, probably the most important thing for me is the peace of mind um you know a lot of our clients have really nice machines um like you i, I remember you have a stunning jag um for me i'm a big car enthusiast so i can understand for a lot of people their their car is their baby and um, even if it's not their baby uh, it's most likely the, the you know the second most expensive asset that they own behind their home exactly. so yeah. you know it's it is it's really important and um, now you can park your car in a public car park you know you can park it as far away from the from the door as possible where there's there's loads of spaces you can park it beside a pillar you can park it you can park it wherever you want in a public car park but you can't control who parks beside you so if you've got a you know a brand new range rover that pulls in there and mary comes along in in her 92 nissan starlet and she's and she a bit, swings you know, open that door yeah she's a bit liberal and she's like i'm getting out yeah. boom off the no nah, yeah nah. it's like i have a a neighbor and when she goes she's a really really nice car now and uh anytime she goes to done stores she goes i don't care who looks at me i'm parking between two spaces <laughs> and like she has a really really nice car now because if someone swings open a door and hits off my car i will lose it yeah it really you know and it's happened to most people it really just stings and you know that unfortunately that is that is a solution is parking in two car park spaces from a kind of parking enforcement perspective uh that's is an issue because you're you're taking up a paying space so they might clamp you we can't be naive uh, to think that there's not some dirt bags out there and someone might look at that and go look at this look at this you know thinks they're great with their lovely car parking in two spaces and just give it a little key you know and that that's the reality so the, the peace of mind is a massive selling point that it's coming back to our private underground parking facility you know that we only have access to I call it the vault. It's a lockup within a lockup. So behind a steel gate and down a driveway, it opens out and it's all really, really secure and CCTV monitored and fire alarmed, burglar alarmed and, and everything. So, you know, leaving your car in a showroom while you're away. Well, even when you look at the Instagram page, you can see it straight away. Like yeah. it, it literally looks like a showroom. Going from my experience on making the booking with you and when I went to Dublin, I pulled up outside the door, and I've said this to so many people, I pulled up outside the door at 8.46, and one of the lads met me there, and they were all dressed in their exemplar uniform. He had the boot open before I even got there, had the bag out. I literally walked in the door. I had fast track, which I paid an extra fiver for, by the way. Fast track is a God's gift. You pay an extra fiver, and you pass like an hour of a queue. <laughs> so I left the car at 8.46, and I was in the duty-free through Dublin Airport, and there was hundreds of people there um, for 8.52. That's six minutes from the time I left my car to the time I was in duty-free, true security and everything. <laughs> Whereas I thought, okay, right, you go to the red car park, and then you get on the shuttle bus, and then you're coming with all your bags, and then you get up to the front, and then you go through, and I'm like, yeah, I definitely will be doing it again. It was the bit, it was the bees, bees knees. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's the thing, Kevin, as well. You know, in terms of pricing, you know, it's five star sort of service. It's not too much more expensive. Like, for example, if you if you were to park in the short term car park, uh, and you didn't book it, say say for example you are late, cutting it a bit too fine, and you say, look, the gate's closing here, like oh, I'm not going to make it. So you just you fly in, throw it in the short term car park, and run in. That's forty euro a day yeah to park there 
you're away for a week you know you're in the hundreds of euro yeah that's literally what 40 by 7 that's 280 euros yeah. you're 142 euros for a week exactly yeah it works out as it's 60 euro for the, the meet and greet for the concierge service so to, to have your own kind of valet parker waiting for you to take your keys help you with your luggage bring your car off and then bring it back to you again when you return that's 60 euro within that you've got the first 24 hour period of storage is covered and then it's kind of like a staggered payment structure after that the second to the fourth night is 13 euro per 24 hour period then it drops down to 10 euro for the fifth to the tenth so from 10 onwards and it's eight euro per night so it's you know trying not to penalize people that are booking in for for three week longer trips even still it's very reasonably priced even when i landed and i turn on my phone there was a text message straight away saying look when you're at security pop us a text I literally sent a thumbs up when I was at security and by the time I walked out the door, the car just pulled up outside the door, I hopped in and I literally drove away. It must have been like a 30 second of a job and that was it and I was gone. Like that is the service. Yeah, that's it exactly. And you know, we, we track your flight in, in real time. So um, we, we'll know exactly when you land. If, if it's ahead of schedule or a little bit delayed, we, we'll be able to see that. And then we try and time it so that you know uh we're, we're there just as you walk out and it the whole exemplar experience i call it is you know the whole thing is really seamless and and uh, smooth there's a very fine margin you know for every second that look uh i'm not perfect nobody is uh, i've made mistakes i've you know bitten off more than i can chew i've decided that i won't i won't get someone to help me when maybe i should have and i've uh, you know i've messed up my timing a little bit and and every every 30 seconds that goes by the customer you know, you're losing the whole point of the business. That edge. Yeah. For every 30 seconds that goes by, the customer is thinking, ah, I could have been walking now to the car park where my car is. And if I'm two minutes late, geez, I could have been on the shuttle bus by now. And you could be nearly at your car at this stage. Like as in, I know in my experience, and I know probably in every business, you are going to make a mess of things and there is going to be a mistake. They're only the minority. You know, when you really look at the overall business they're only the small part yeah it comes with everything you know there's there's breakage and spillage it's factored in that doesn't mean that i can't strive for perfection i, I really it really is important i'm aware of it and um, as i said i have messed up um and this is where the the kind of trusting other people to do the work as well is is a big struggle particularly in this business because you know if you, if you employ someone in a shop and and they're 10 minutes late to start their shift it's not the end of the world or if they sleep it out you know and they come in 20 minutes late you know an exemplar driver doesn't show up at 4 30 in the morning and a client is sitting there in their jeep with their with their partner and their three kids in the back and they've booked parking and suddenly nobody's there to meet them you know the margin for error is very very small um but the the potential downside can be catastrophic and you know look um, we've had a few disasters but you know teething problems really in uh in trying to get the, the systems and processes right for the for the majority as you say but yeah that's the kind of business in a nutshell it's really important to, to understand that you know kind of come up full circle like what we first talked about with the word of mouth not only is it really important for me to deliver the level of of service and kind of attention to detail that that the clients expect that then is my advertisement going forward. Because it was actually on Rob Lipset's story that I saw it first day. Yeah. I just followed the page and just forgot about it because I generally travel from Farm 4 Airport or Shannon Airport. So it was when I was going to Dublin, I was like, okay, this is my opportunity, you know? Um, and, and, and like the whole marketing side of it, how did you actually, I know you said word of mouth is a huge thing, which it is because I, I have told so many people about it already, kind of just saying, because I was just so fascinated by the whole concept. But then... 
How have you, on your business side of it, pushed it out? Right now, I'm talking with someone about getting a whole kind of marketing strategy set up for Q3 and Q4 of this year. Over the last number of years, obviously with COVID and stuff, it's been a pretty hard to, to forecast and, and pretty unpredictable. Um, kind of side note, what gave me confidence in the business, uh, Kevin, is you know during a global, a global pandemic, uh, and a travel ban, international travel ban, we still on average had one booking per week for the whole of the lockdown period. So there was a few long-term bookings in there, um, a few people that got <laughs> that got stuck over in, in different places, but you know, we had a lot of essential workers and essential travelers um, using the service, which was, which was great. A big selling point was being able to drive up in your own vehicle without getting onto public transport and the risks involved with contracting COVID and stuff like that. So, so that was a benefit. So Q3 and Q4 of this year is when we'll be launching the, the kind of traditional Google and, and uh, email advertising and stuff like that, right? Up until this point, uh, yeah, big time word of mouth. I suppose a few things to kind of help the word of mouth along is, you know, making people feel appreciated that they're helping a small business, which they are. You know, thank you so much for your support. Building that bit of a personal relationship. Yeah, people are there to, you know, if it's five in the morning, they're there to just give you a keys and go. Um, and, you know, you've got to find the balance there. Some people can be turned off by people that are too kind of chatty and chipper at that hour of the morning. So just building the relationship with people and then, you know delivering on the service and then when you know w- when people are driving away and they have the little nice touches like they've got a branded exemplar air freshener hanging from the windscreen and then they've got their vit hit drinks we have a, a partnership with have the water yeah so we have your water exemplar water vit hit drinks we have a partnership with vit hit they're they're amazing and they're unbelievable um drinks they're so they're so tasty and they're only like you know 30 calories for the drink which is unreal and they're good for you so you know you don't want to be putting a kind of fizzy drink in there because you know people might not drink fizzy drinks and they might be you know they might not allow them at home or or the kids might be drinking them at 11 at night you know coming off a long flight and the last thing the parents need is them hyper on a off a you know a can of orange or whatever so the vid heads are, are, are perfect because they're they're healthy you know and uh, tasty as well but yeah so then being left with that driving away with a feeling because look to me sales is is 20 percent logic and and 80 percent emotional people are making a decision on 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 buying but it's also when they're making a decision whether to come back again you know for repeat customers if they go away with a really good feeling they've got their drinks the heating's on you know and on a cold night the heating's blaring the windscreen's lovely and clear the heated seats are on the car smells lovely and it's waiting for them and the way they go so that, that that's the word i'm outside of things then instagram has just been massive you have the whole world of influencer marketing and just people saying, yeah, this is great. And then boom, like just exactly how I found it. It's unbelievable. And I can't up talk it enough. I haven't invested any money into marketing, uh, given some complimentary exemplar experiences. Um, I've given some discounted exemplar experiences. Um, I've given some complimentary valet cleans. It's not really costing me anything, but the return on investment is is huge. You know, I, I'm obviously investing my time into to doing this, but the return is crazy. That might not translate immediately into followers and sometimes people can get discouraged like you know approach an influencer to to tag them and they might 
not get as many followers in as they thought they would and then they can be a bit discouraged even pushing pushing it out there you'd be so surprised about the amount of people that that see it the amount of people that message us saying oh i'm thinking of trying it out i saw it on so-and-so story i saw it on you know rob lipsitz or greg o'shea or john kavanagh coach kavanagh or peter stringer i think i saw it on his story as well exactly peter stringer actually just before this call i was on i was on the phone to a, a connacht rugby player who's booking in to go over and watch um, Ireland in Twickenham. What's the nicest car you've ever driven? Okay, there's there's a couple from up north. And I think, you know, particularly outside of Dublin, that's why this business is so important, but it's such an attractive kind of a service. Like if you're living in Belfast, so you're, you're Kerry. So, I mean, from the four corners, I'll put it this way. You'd be a lot more comfortable driving your own car than getting on a bus for two or three hours. So it's really attractive for, for people kind of, you know, outside of Dublin. But there's a couple up north. He has a couple of Ferraris. He's never brought one down. Um, he has an unbelievable, it's a Mercedes GTS AMG. It's like, um, it's matte gray with accents of yellow. And, and this guy, he has it tuned to like 815 horsepower. It just rumbled. It's a nice car driving away from the airport then. Wow. Oh, it was unbelievable. And, and credit to him, you know, he told me 815 horsepower. And I said, well, don't worry, I won't even see five of those horses <laughs> he said D- absolutely not put it into track mode and put the foot down uh and i jesus scared the shit out of me but a uh, really really cool car i always bring it in right you have the highs of the business and the lows of the business i know you've already kind of mentioned there about how you know obviously when you're getting up and running you're trying to foolproof this whole process yeah. and there obviously has been a, a times where you've said you know it has hit the fan, you know, and it didn't work out. But then you go on the total opposite side of it. What has been the high of the business that has made you pumped about the whole thing, saying this is going great since you've started in Exemplar? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, as I kind of touched on, um, when I got the phone call for the opportunity to to, to take over Exemplar, um, you know, there was lots of back and forth, lots of talking, lots of planning. Um, then I made the decision, right, this is something that we're going to do. Uh, put a plan in place. I shadowed Oren for a couple of weeks, went out, learned the systems, learned the processes, officially took over the business on the uh, Monday, the 2nd of March, 2020, and closed it on <laughs> Friday, the 13th of March, 2020. At the time, you know, Friday the 13th, you know, what a bad omen. I mean, at that time, the world was ending. You know, this was serious um, it was still such a big unknown, but you know there was some genuine fear, as as we all know, oh too well. So made the decision to close it down, and was really worried. Invested a lot of money. Luckily, I still had the the landscaping contracts going, so I was able to dive back into that and keep the wolf from the door while while the travel ban was going, while still you know uh, accommodating the the few essential travelers that were flying. So. It was a lot of long days, um, a lot of transition, you know, where particularly in the summertime when people were starting to travel a lot more, but also the sites needed my attention, you know, because of the, the growing season. You know, there was a lot of situations where I was in the airport at five in the morning, then I'd catch an hour sleep in the in the van yeah be on site at 7 a.m and then I'd be back at lunchtime to pick up another car and then back out on site. I mean, look as I said, it gave me a lot of confidence that people were still still booking in while there was a global pandemic. Exactly. And uh, I also, I kind of diversified a little bit. Uh, I, I launched a product with Exemplar. So when you're running your own business, it's 24-7. Like I've woken up in the middle of the night, genuinely 
I was thinking like what like all the 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 scents and the air fresheners and had different ideas and I genuinely woke up from a dream and I was like exemplar makes sense and the sense spelled SC and I was like that's it um, <laughs> and uh, I, I love it uh, they're great they're a great little addition to the card they're really you know quality products again 100% pure fragrance oil as opposed to the diluted stuff so it's really strong smell and they're inspired by designer fragrances as well so they smell really cool and they last really long because they're 100% pure always being positive look I'm I'm allergic to negativity like attitude is so 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 important that's something that I that's been ingrained in me from when I was doing the direct sales if you look at it like your your attitude it's like a paintbrush to a painter yes it's a major tool enabling you to do your job but yes you can finger paint but it's going to look shocking so if you go into the day with with a really bad attitude you're going to have a bit of slap on the canvas a really bad drawing yeah and look the beauty of that is is you're in control you're in control of your own attitude so you're in control of whether you have a good day or a bad day we learned a lot of these things like the ace theory attitude consistency and exposure if you have a positive attitude if you're consistent in your delivery of the of the service or when it comes to selling it if you're consistent the law of averages says if you do the same thing over and over and over again you will get the same outcome we always learn that if say 100 people in a in a shopping center um your sale is in there somewhere you know it could be the 100th it could be it could be the first you just have to find them just going back to when you said about how the monday tuesday wednesday making no sale and then the thursday and the friday until you get it because that was a great example when you give that. Exactly. That's it. And then the exposure is just telling enough people about it, you know, talking uh, to enough people. If, if the product or the business or the service is exposed to enough people, again, the law of averages, you know, you will get sales, you will get people that are interested. And you also have the, actually the service of the whole balloting side of it. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, thanks for, for reminding me. Uh, that's, that's a really important part of, of what we do. Airport concierge private parking and uh, valet cleaning um you know there's nothing nicer whenever i got my car cleaned you fall in love with it all over again there's just such a nice feeling of, of just coming back especially after a long day of traveling with kids or even without kids just with luggage and getting back into a car that's just spotless smelling nice leaves you with that nice you know the nice last taste in your mouth and that l nice last feeling and that that touch as in it might even be that the car is clean right but it's also, as you said, when they're hopping into that car, how does that customer feel going away? Is this going to say, yeah, let's go back a second time? But it's the actual, the valet part, which is a great time because you think, I'm in a new car now. Like, it's spotlessly clean. But it's the actual service you're selling is to say, let's go pick up your car and bring it back to the front door of the airport. And then at the end of it, then it really kind of leaves an impression with the customer to hopefully return again. Exactly. If you were to give any advice to anyone going into business or someone that's sitting on an idea, what would you say to them? Okay, um, simply just start. Procrastination is the enemy of success. You'll never know unless you you start. You'll never know unless you just try it and do it. If you're unhappy in, in, uh, in what you're doing at the minute, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. In order to get something that you've never got before, you have to do something that you've never done. So just just start. That's like, take the first step. It's always, it's always the hardest, but, and then it comes back to just having a positive attitude, being consistent in what you do, and the exposure, just, just 
you know, putting the business or the, the product or the service in front of as many people as possible, whether that's, you know, getting out and just talking to people, um, be passionate about, about what you do in life as, as well as business, you know, no matter what happens, it's, it's about what your perspective is and, and what you take from it. So, you know, good days bring you happiness, bad days give you experience, the best days makes memories. And uh, the worst days offers you lessons. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, and, and make sure you take everything from everything. Just there on the on the kind of the bad days, like you're gaining experience. You're learning how not to do or how to prevent it from happening again. And the worst days where everything goes wrong, um, you know, you learn a lesson about life. Sometimes no matter how hard you try at something, and you know, the, the stars aren't aligned and it'll go against you, but you keep going and eventually it'll turn around. So I talked really quickly about the the three main selling points you know imagine you know if you're selling something to somebody you know start with words like imagine like imagine you're running late paint that picture in their head you know it, it took ages to get the kids ready into the car so you know uh, and then they're they're visualizing geez yeah you know little johnny there he's still eating his cheese string and you know he, he forgot his blankets you know and you know it puts all the pressure um and then you know the second one picture you've got your heavy luggage it's raining cats and dogs you park in the long-term car park and you have to drag <laughs> your bags to the bus stop get onto the crowded shuttle bus you know that gets rid of all that inconvenience and now exemplar is convenient um and then again you know we talked about the dreaded public car park and uh you can't control who parks beside you um because look pe- people buy into people before products especially um as i said when re- relying on word of mouth uh, marketing um it's really uh, it's really important to, to kind of sell yourself last thing like i just wanted to say i thought this was something one of the things that i really took away with or, or from doing the the marketing the direct marketing the sales um we learned these things called the the impulse factors it could be a good kind of thing to to take note i always found it's worked really well and it's good it it kind of touches on the psychology the the consumer psychology as well from the perspective of exemplar the uh, the gifts so g-i-f-t-s g stands for greed you know people want the best of the best so the exemplar the exemplar valet is like the the, you know the, the most expensive valet um you know when you're pitching it or you can go for the the full shebang you know the best of the best have your car looking like you know showroom standard again and people are happy to pay for quality then onto the eye indifference you know you appreciate a, a client's business or the, their custom but you're you're not desperate people will be kind of put off buying into a product or something if if the guy telling them about it is coming off as pushy or you know that typical sleazy salesman fear of loss you know, we only have uh, a limited number of spaces. So uh, book in uh, as soon as you can. You can't book within eight hours of your arrival time. So, um, you know, it's just, if you don't act now, you're gonna miss out on on the service. Um, one of my favorite ones is, uh, so the T is the Joneses, uh, the Jones theory or the Jones effect, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. So, you know, t- using certain language like everyone that books in, they, they go for the, the top valet. Everyone that's been booking in recently has been getting the scent sets included in their experience. Um, so what everyone's been doing, you know, that sort of thing just creates that, that uh, kind of Jones theory. And then the S is kind of scarcity or, or sense of urgency. Uh, when something is kind of running out or it's, it's perceived value is is increased 
Um, so like a limited edition product or limited time offer. We ran some promotions on, on the Instagram where we did the countdown on our story. Like there's a limited time offer on these and they're always the, the, the most successful or they drive a lot of a lot of sales. Gotcha. Plans for the future, Luke. What's happening? Where are you going next? Okay, so the end goal where I envision uh, Exemplar going is is like um, a one-stop shop, big kind of warehouse. And at the front, we have a mechanics. So, you know, when people are going away on holidays, that's when they get their car serviced. That's when they get their the little mark on the bumper that's annoying them. But they've, you know, they've never really you know had the time to give their car away for two or three days love it so body shop service yeah you have your valeting you have your safekeeping of the car yeah yeah okay. so yeah exactly i also we've done a little bit of events uh, event kind of coordinating so one of the projects that we worked on was the so virgin media irish film festival a couple of years ago it was sponsored by mazda so we provided some some drivers to to go and uh, keep the mazda cars clean and also to chauffeur drive some of the the guests and the the uh, actors and 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 stuff like that around. So as you say, it's it's um, the storage of cars, the the looking after cars, the maintenance of cars, the repair of cars, uh, the valet cleaning, and then there's a whole other events kind of side of things as well. So I'd love to have a you know massive big warehouse with with car lifts where you can stack two cars on top of each other and and we've got like we've got like classic car collections where you know guys will come in and they store their car collections uh with us and then you know in a separate part of the building is the mechanics separate part is the spray booth or the um body shop the body shop exactly then you've got the valet booth and the detailing booth and you know the buffing and all of that sort of stuff that's pretty cool look that is well done well we just we just literally the, the first step uh towards that i'm just about to launch a partnership there with motor zone they uh look after uh refurbing alloys and, and spraying alloys so available from tomorrow actually uh, people will be able to book in on their holidays and while they're away uh, their alloys will be professionally refurbished and powder coated or, or diamond cut so you'll be coming back to brand new wheels as well look we all know particularly if it's our baby if ever you've been in a car where you just you park and it's bit, a bit dodgy and you know someone putting pressure they're beeping the horn it's raining and then you just hear that scrape or the grind of hitting your alloy off the curb <sighs> scrape yeah. off yeah. the curb yeah <laughs> but uh yeah, one, one step at a time. Have you any last words before we wrap up this episode of the Bishopinor podcast? Oh, uh, really important thing uh, is celebrate everything. Celebrate the little victories. Uh, and I don't mean like go out and have yeah, a big crazy meal and, you know, a bottle of Dom Perignon. And I don't mean like spend loads of money or get really drunk and like, you know, write yourself off for a few days. Just acknowledge even to me celebrating the small wins is just acknowledging them like i i we have our family whatsapp group after the pandemic when the business started to pick back up again i put it into the family whatsapp group and said hey guys just want to let you all know um that exemplar just turned over a thousand euro in a day for the first time and acknowledging that oh well done that's great you know give yourself a pat on the back uh, we just recently surpassed 2230 euro revenue in one day so that's you know it's great 
uh, and celebrate the small wins. Exactly. Celebrate the small wins because if we don't celebrate them, it's not going to build up to that time where we, when you get to that goal and that this is your end of goal. Exactly. 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 Otherwise, Probably. I wouldn't be happy until I had the big warehouse with the one-stop shop. And, and that's years down the line. As the man says, uh, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And you've got to enjoy the, the small wins. That's a big thing. Another quick uh, little snippet. People are more comfortable saying no. So you can kind of use that to your advantage and you can either phrase your question in a certain way. Like, uh, would you be against the idea of including a valet clean on your next booking? Well, I'm not against. I'm not against that. <laughs> uh, I was like, perfect. So uh, you know, I'll pop you down for the the um, the experience uh, levels of valet clean I have there the express the experience the excellence and the exemplar so you can word it like that or the alternative is yes pure salesman talking yeah. I love yeah. it go on what's the, the other the way, other way is, uh, we, we called it yes rolling so um, people are more inclined to say yes if they're in the habit of saying yes so you you know you ask them like small questions uh, yes questions to get them you know in that role of, of saying yes for example if if somebody's booked in their way on holidays um, and I notice they haven't included a valet clean on their booking you know I might send an email that says hey um, are you enjoying your enjoying your break uh, I'm sure the change of scenery is nice I notice you didn't include a valet clean you know yes 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 uh, would you like to come home to a fresh clean car yes would you like a five euro off discount yes uh, just reply yes to this email and uh, I'll I'll book you in. So like, um, stuff, Luke, that stuff is like brilliant. That. Uh, I actually love that. <laughs> that is literally total mind games. Yes, the puppet master. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I've really enjoyed this, Kevin. Um, I haven't done like kind of talking about anything like this in, in in a long time. We and you know what I find is when I speak to people and they actually go back to the start, they go through everything and they're like, wow, okay. Chini Mackers and they they really because I ask the questions here and they literally have to go through everything and then they're kind of look back at it all and say wow jeez I haven't done too badly you know or you know kind of like a bit of a pat on the back like you know to say you know this is where I was and this is where I'm now you know because it's not very often that you go back and you speak about your whole story from start to finish so that's where this whole podcast came from was where I just wanted to give people a bit of motivation a bit of inspiration hear hear other people's stories and to hopefully get them into it themselves to spark something and um, go from there yeah hopefully learn something as well I mean not that I'm the the, the voice of reason or, or or anything but um yeah I think it's really important to what you're doing is really important as well is, is just get getting positive messages i mean i i had i had the butterflies in the stomach i had the anxiety before coming on to this because naturally it's it's a little bit out of my comfort zone and like i've said it to anyone that has been on the podcast so far it's really nearly like a chat it's just like a general chat i just see you here on zoom and it's just a general chat and it kind of all put together and put out to the yeah. people that listen to the podcast um, to hopefully get a bit inspired by it. Yeah. You know. But listen, Luke, thank you very, very, very much. Thank you for being a guest. Absolutely. Well, yeah, keep up the good work. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. Thank you. And best of luck with the Bizpreneur podcast. And long may it continue to uh, inspire and uh, educate. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning into the 14th episode of the Bizpreneur podcast. If you take anything from this episode is if you're flying from Dublin Airport, and you want to drive up to the front of the airport and hand your keys and walk in without any parking hassle,
do it. Follow Exemplar on Instagram. I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's class. Uh, next week's episode is going to be with Elaine Bennett-Murphy and Derek Nagel of the Marine Hotel in Ballybunion located right on the coast looking out over the Atlantic Ocean. It's a very good chat. I recorded it there last week with them. They go through everything from the, I mean, it was an absolute beep show. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, and how they came from it and how COVID actually transformed their business. That's my dog back in the background. I'm not recording this again. Thank you very much and goodbye.